Welcome home. This is Audio EXP for the 8th of May 2021. And the title of this episode is Dungeons and Dragons Flirts with Esports. Would you live in a world where magic was a real thing? Well, if that's not a contradiction in terms. Let's let's try again. If you had a choice, would you live in a world where people could cast magic spells? Last year, as part of a competition to give away a copy of Rivers of London, The Fae and the Furious, I asked readers that question. Nearly 80% of readers and randoms who popped in just to win a graphic novel said they would. They'd go. They'd prefer to live in a world where spells happened. And I assume that's in contrast to this reality-based reality. Women, compared to men, however, were less likely to want to make the switch. The competition also had answers from people who considered themselves to be neither a man nor a woman, but not a large number, and so it's hard to make any further analysis there. But why do you think women are less likely to want to live in a magic world? About 25% of women weren't up for the idea, which compares to only 20% of men. I suspect, sorry to say, that this caution is a reflection of this world, rather than this imaginary world we could be talking about. Either that or women have less patience for the tomfoolery I ask for in geek native competitions. Speaking of which, there's a new one running on the blog. I'll tell you more about that in a bit, but first I want to mention some other updates. I took all the convention data I had in the Geek Native calendar and I popped them into a spreadsheet. I know, yes, I should have been doing that all along. And now I've built a Google Data dashboard or two around them. As a result, you can now search for online hybrid events by topic, i.e. find just an anime one or just a Warhammer one. And you can search for physical events near you. There's even an interactive map that plots these conventions onto the world. So if you know a local gaming convention, please let me know and I'll get it added. I don't imagine I'll be going to a gaming convention soon. And that's not entirely due to the lockdown. Real life is incredibly awkward right now and I find myself very short of cash. And therefore, adding more to the Geek Native store. Now, there are no ads on this podcast. But you do know you can go to geeknative.com forward slash shop and be redirected to a lovely Redbubble store, right? Updates this week include spooky Cthulian tablets, which are now used to illustrate that geeky convention calendar, but which you can also have as notebooks, which I think make great gifts for your GM. There are also bath mats in that design, if you like weird. And if you are weird like me, then you can have them as drink coasters. I'm actually tempted by a set. There's also more Sleepy Dragon merch. That's a design that features on Geek Native's business cards. Patrons see that whenever they get a physical gift from me, but I think few others do. Now you can have a Sleepy Dragon scarf, a shower curtain, or even a throw for your bed. I shall endeavour to mention the store more than once every 100 podcasts. It's good to diversify. And speaking of financial diversification... The very influential financial analysis agency, Fitch Ratings, reaffirmed their negative forecast for Hasbro. Yes, Wizards of the Coast are making money for Hasbro right now, but what happens next? Fitch points out that Hasbro bought E1 for a billion dollars a few years back, has all that debt, and hasn't been able to do anything with the entertainment company B1. 
because of the pandemic. Uh, we also got the first photograph from the new D&D movie this week, which has now been filmed and managed by E1. Those two things may be related. Fitch also said that they think Hasbro's done pretty much everything they can do with their legacy titles like Monopoly, Transformers and G.I. Joe. There are already movies, models and games. Is there any more space on your shelves for another Monopoly? If the answer is no, then that's kind of Fitch's point. Now, we're not through with Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro's finances yet. Do you remember back to 2018 when Hasbro's CEO seemed to say that D&D was suitable for esports? It caused quite a stir. This, though, was before D&D Dark Alliance, a computer game which may be more suited. I wrote about that in retrospect, digging into the words written, and I'm not entirely sure that is what was said. I think the point might have been that there was an overlap in audiences between esports and D&D. And the hot news this week is that that overlap is now firmly in Venn. Wizards of the Coast have partnered with the Comcast-owned G4 network to run D&D Live 2021. In other news, the G4 esports network is coming out of retirement after Comcast put it there. G4's latest big hire is ex-Blizzard salesperson Josh Scheller, who is now in charge of getting people to pay to watch G4's content or find some other ways to make money from it. I guess the technology behind live streams and that real-time community management means it may be a good idea for Watsy to outsource D&D Live 2021 for now, rather than try and maintain an expensive and not always used internal infrastructure. One Bookshelf, the company that owns the DMs Guild and Drive-Thru RPG, also has a technology challenge this week. The physical printers that they use are being retired. Print-on-demand books from these sites come through a company called Lightning Source, and there are pros and cons for Lightning Source, and that's fine. I don't see OBS ever doing their own international printing hubs, so there will always be partners involved. And as it happens, Lightning Source can't profitably print the old top-of-the-range books for OBS anymore. The new printers will be a bit cheaper, about 6%, and OBS have told me they'll be watching the quality closely. They've also told me they've kicked off a review of printing partners. I can't claim to know the market exceptionally well, but I think they'll be hard-pressed to find an alternative option. A side note to the story is a slight struggle to find any RPG publisher who wanted to comment on it. I wasn't going to ask if they would pass that 6% saving onto customers. It's peanuts, given the low cost of most books. However, it was a chance to talk about upcoming projects, and caring about the quality of their physical books. At the very least, it was an opportunity to put their brand in front of gamers. No one was interested. It is hard being an RPC publisher, and I think a common challenge is marketing, especially that marketing instinct you need to have to leap at chances like that. I don't just try and offer publishers the opportunity for quotes and RPG news to help out with a bit of publicity. There is also the RPG publisher spotlight, that's made possible by patrons. Once a month, the blog puts a focus on small or an indie publisher. I also now offer them a chance to participate in the round table discussions held on the Geek Native Discord server, although that is still very much a project in development. The last write-up from the first round table in hospitable settings is now live on the site. 
It was a collaborative effort with Valiant Fox. Valiant Fox has a D&D 5e setting called Fading Embers in which it's always winter and fire magic isn't really a thing. Together, we built a series of tables and suggestions on how to restrict magic if you too wanted to have a D&D 5e setting that was especially called, or one in which water was scarce, or one with low light, and even one in which plant life grows magically and dangerously out of control. It turned into a big project, so thanks John for helping out with it. We didn't discuss a setting in which the undead or chaos legions were out of control. However, this week I did review the Soulbound starter set. It's a box set that costs less than a core rulebook and therefore great value. It comes with maps, pre-written character sheets, lots of rule summaries, tokens, dice and two adventure books. I was impressed. I also reviewed Osprey's Stargrave this week and that's a tabletop skirmish game. Not a thing I thought I had time or space for. I certainly don't have the money, as I've already overshared with you. Stargrave is kind of different though. Yes, there are models for it, but it's not a tabletop skirmish game that's written to sell you more models. You can use whatever sci-fi miniatures you have. So if you are a fan or have heard good things about Frostgrave, then I'm sure you will like the sci-fi assisted game Stargrave. I had no previous experience and I found myself wondering, what if? to the question of having sci-fi models again. Sadly, it's not a matter of willpower. I simply have to put all such lavish ideas away for now. Later though, hmm, later might be an option. And one of the great things, among many great things about this hobby, is that it's a labor of love for many people. The Velvet Book is an RPG that conjures up an atmosphere like the Persona computer games and the anime series. It's hundreds of pages long, and entirely free. So money is rarely a showstopper to getting a game. It's just a showstopper for certain games. The Velvet Book could easily have cost tens of dollars for the PDF. It's powered by the one roll engine, well presented, sensible, and absolutely worth your time if you're an anime fan. Geek Native also hit an anime milestone this week. The Irregular Reconnaissance Column hit issue number 100. That means there are at least 500 anime mini-reviews on the site. Each one is designed to avoid spoilers and instead share what I think or feel about a show a few episodes at a time. The theory is, if you discover I have rubbish tastes and you like the opposite of me, then the mini-reviews are still helpful, as you could check out the animes I watch, then dislike and abandon. I toy with the idea of some sort of reader-contributed score for each anime covered, but WordPress does not make that easy, and my natural inclination takes me back to Google Tech with Sheets and Paws. Other TV-based news this week includes the fact that a huge webcomic I've never heard of is likely to get a TV series. It's called Let's Play. Do you know it? It's one of the most well-read, serialised webcomics in the West, with nearly 4 million weekly readers. 4 million! I mean, shame on me for never having encountered it before. The people who will turn it into a TV show are the production company that made the Bloodshot movie, the one with Vin Diesel and Guy Pearce. And lastly, just before we get onto that competition I told you about, and the usual outro of Bundles, one last TV story, old footage of Games Workshop co-founders Steve Jackson 
and Ian Livingston has emerged of them introducing author Ben Elton and the British TV public to D&D back in 1984, and it's been remastered. It's not as cringeworthy as I feared, but it's not without cringe. Nevertheless, as a piece of our history, I think it's worth a watch. Now, I've built too much hype around the competition, haven't I? Well, it's for issue one and issue two of the comic book Buzzard. I have two of each to give away, and the Kickstarter for Buzzard 3 launched this week. But we'll go on our own timeline. You won't have to wait for that third comic to be made before the winners get issues one and two. Buzzard is best summed up as Deadpool meets Kingsman. I'm prepared to pop the two physical copies into the post for anywhere. So even if you're not based in the UK, you're welcome to enter. Um, provided it's legal for me to send you stuff in the mail. Two bundles caught my eye for this podcast. The first is A Legendary Planet. That's a cosmic fantasy adventure in both Pathfinder 1E and D&D 5E, and the rules are from Legendary Games. Uh, the second is Heavy Metal's Heaviest Metal Deal and Humble Bundle. Uh, that's more comic books and good news. IGN has uncapped the amount of money you can donate to charities in the bundles. And on that note, let's wrap there. So please keep safe, and we'll see you next week.